Go ahead and grab some scripture. We're going to dive into the word tonight, which I'm pumped about. We, uh, this morning, we had a great time together. I mentioned that. We, um, again, had mic problems, and the whole room was filled, including the, ca- the cafe back there. And so when the mic went out, I just started yelling really loud, <laughs> like trying so everybody could hear. And so my voice is a little on the fritz, but I don't have to yell. There's not as many of you guys here. I, I don't have to yell at you guys to get you to hear me. Um, so anyway... Uh, let's dig in. Matthew chapter 9 is where we'll be. Uh, you can pull it up on the Bible app. Uh, use the QR code if you need to. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages um, to read and consider uh, as a church family uh, in different settings, uh, whether it be with, uh, I think, our students at one point. Uh, in Bible studies, we've touched base on this, and then in sermons as well. We've touched base on this principle at different points, but not in a while. And so uh, I want to tell you guys, this passage has been highly impactful in my life. Um, let's do a little survey real quick. Um, if, and you don't have to pretend like you have and raise your hand, uh, we're not going to count or look around and make judgments. But if you can say that you have seen answered prayer before Raise your hand. If you've seen answer prayer, uh, maybe some of us, maybe not all of us. Um, if you're one that's like, yeah, I'm not sure really if I've seen answered prayer before. I've prayed and then some things happened, but maybe that was just coincidence. Maybe it was God. And if you're kind of uh, in the boat of like, yeah, I don't know about all the prayer stuff. I'd really just like to see some prayers answered. Uh, then this is a great place to start. Um, I think we uh, typically in our prayers, sometimes we like uh, uh, we pray different all kinds of things, ask for things that we want and we forget. There's a lot of power in praying things that uh, the scriptures say to pray for. Uh, God loves to answer those prayers. And so this is one of them in uh, Matthew chapter nine. Um, and just to give you a little idea where we're going, uh, be a little shorter time tonight. Uh, I'm going to talk for about 10 minutes here. Uh, hand it over to Adam. He's going to bring us home. Um, and so uh, we'll do a little tag team tonight. And so uh, Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Here's what it says. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing, get this, every disease and every affliction. Everything he came across, there wasn't anything he got to uh, with someone that he was like, oh, I don't think I can do anything about that. Sorry, next. Every disease, every affliction, there was nothing off the radar that he could not heal. And I wonder in this first verse here if we see Jesus's power and authority. Because if you grew up in church, you can just read right through that. Oh, yeah, Jesus healed people. I know that. But maybe we need to use our imagination for a little bit and just see his power and authority. I mean, what a scene we can imagine. Hearing and sight issues healed. Missing limbs regrown. Deformities reformed the paralyzed begin to move again for the first time 
in years. Wow, right? His divinity, Jesus' divinity on full display. Verse 36, let's keep going. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. And the word in the original language for compassion is something you feel deep in your gut. It's like when you see something not right in the world, uh, you see someone really struggling and you get that pit in your stomach kind of feeling that you should do something about it right then and there. And in those moments, if you're anything like me, sometimes you act and then sometimes you don't for one reason or another, but it's that feeling in the pit of your stomach of, ah, oh, that's not right. I should, I should do something. He was moved with compassion for them. And well, why? Well, why was he moved with compassion for them? Scriptures tell us, let's keep going. It says, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's, that's the description of the crowds that he saw. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And, you know, we can go from here to Granby and we can see some cows but we don't typically see sheep up here, right? Like we don't go to Granby and then pass a shepherd and his sheep over on the side of the road. But if we did, if we were to drive that way and we saw a herd of sheep and there was no shepherd, then what the sheep would be doing is just wandering around aimlessly, right? That's what the shepherd does. He corrals the sheep, points them to where they should go or where there's grass and keeps them away from danger. So when we see the imagery here of sheep without a shepherd, they're not just harassed and helpless, but they're wandering into impending danger, which is what sheep would do without a shepherd. So harassed and helpless and wandering aimlessly. And when I read that, I, I can't help but begin to think of the people of our valley. Because that's what we do, right? We read the word and, and we say, Lord, how do you want to use this in, in my life, in this context here of where you put me right now, whether you're here for the season or whether you've lived here a long time? We can read this, how there was a crowd that Jesus had compassion on because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I can't help again, but think of the people of our valley here where many are harassed and helpless, some physically some mentally, some spiritually, in an anguish that, that runs rampant in our area. It doesn't take long, right? Uh, whether it's yourself that we're talking about or your coworkers, man, a lot of people harassed and helpless and wandering like sheep without a shepherd. And in this moment, I think, well, what's Jesus going to do? He, he's moved with compassion for these people, these crowds, they're harassed and helpless. They're wandering like sheep without a shepherd. What's Jesus going to do in this moment? What will be the answer for all this hurt and helplessness that he saw with his own eyes? Well, let's read verse 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. What's plentiful? The harvest, yeah. But the laborers... Are few. What's few? Laborers. Laborers or workers, right? Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
See, Jesus is always saying things that I would not say or I wouldn't think to say. Even when I read the scriptures, I'll get to something, I'll get to a moment like that where he's moved with compassion. I'm like, I wonder what Jesus is going to say here. And what I would guess he would say in that moment is, hey, we need to pray for the sheep that are that are wandering around and helpless and harassed. We need to pray for the sheep. And while that's not altogether bad, it's not what Jesus says. Jesus does not say, look at all these broken people, you guys. We have to pray for them. And again, while that's not a bad idea, that's not what Jesus says here. It's more like he's saying, guys, there are more hurting and helpless people here than, in, than what I'm going to be able to get to in my short time here on this planet. And so I'm going to use you and others to further my mission. And so pray that the Lord would send workers. We're going to need a lot of them. And maybe a word from him tonight, straight to us here in the Fraser Valley, is maybe similar. Maybe it's the same. Maybe we hear Jesus saying something like this. Valley life. Pray for workers. Pray for harvesters. The people in need are so many and there just aren't enough workers. Pray for people to be sent into the valley who have a heart to join me in my mission, right? Turn to the next passage. This is the second part of what I'm sharing here. Ephesians chapter 4. Just a little over to the right. If you got the good old hard copy. Ephesians chapter 4. See, while the Matthew passage that we just read is more about seeing people come into the kingdom, uh, the, the helpless the hurting, the harassed, the wandering, being brought into the kingdom through harvesters. Ephesians 4 is a little different. It's about roles that God has given us, the church, specific roles for specific purposes that God has given the church. So let's read chapter 4, starting in verse 11. And again, keep in mind, these are roles God has given us, the church. Verse 11, and he, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So if we can pause, God gave the church, the saint, the saints are the church, God gave the church some special roles in order that us, the church, might be equipped for the mission. Isn't that incredible? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So who does the work of the ministry? Starts with an S. The saints, right? Which may be different than the way you grew up or maybe your view of the way church works is that maybe you think, that, um, that, that, that the work of the ministry, the, the work of the mission of God is for people who are professionals or people who, uh, church is their job. And so we leave that to the, to the experts and they do the work and the church just shows up to, to get taught at once a week. And, and has that been anybody's experience? I know looking back, I, I, uh, could see that for myself of seeing 
But it says here, the saints, the church, does the work of the ministry. And these roles that God has given, they equip the church for the work of the ministry. These roles. So let's keep reading here. Verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, that's us, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And so there's that imagery that we see over and over in Scripture for a church family being a body, uh, with each of us having a role to play, just like each part of my body has a role to play. As I do this, there's all kinds of things going on physically. Each part, when I walk, there's every different part of my body is playing a different role so that I can walk. When I pick up the word here, different parts of my body are working together that that happens, and that's what the Scripture is talking about. And these roles that God gives the church help us, the body of Christ, to fulfill the mission of God. Here at Valley Life, we have been and are in an exciting time of growth and encouragement as a church family. Um, we, uh, like I said this morning, there weren't many empty seats and Sunday evenings uh, uh, seem to pick up more and more. Um, we're probably 100 people downstairs eating breakfast this morning and then fill in this room and we can look and we can say, oh, I think we've arrived. I think we're here. Like, well, what else are we going to do? We're running out of chairs. So we can just kind of take it easy and go, okay, we're, we're healthy and we're in a good place. But may we not believe we've arrived or that he's done with us as a church. May our hearts be turned to prayer for two things. And so as we look forward, here are two things we can pray as a church family. Number one, and they correspond to the two passages we just read. So the first thing, we could pray that the Lord would send harvesters or workers into our valley, right? That's what Scripture just told us to pray. Pray that he would send harvesters or workers into our valley here. Second thing, that the Lord would give us as a church the right equippers, the right workers, so to speak, the right roles, as the Scriptures mentioned there in Ephesians 4, that we might be built up as a church family so that we're like a healthy body with many parts, each part playing their God-given role. We need the right workers and equippers that we might be built up in unity, ready for each of us to play the role we've been given in our church family here. And really, that's talk all the time about we're church family, right? Each of us has a role to play. And part of the excitement is really figuring out, Lord, what role are you calling me to? Like, oh, how have you gifted me? What do I have to contribute to the body? Is it anything more than just bringing some cookies? Likely. Although that's an important role, right? <laughs> so I'm going to hand uh, it over to Adam, and he's going to give us some 
kind of tangible application of some of this. And uh, we'll go from there. Come on up, Ed. So like Dustin, Dustin talks about, we, um, we pray. We pray to the Lord that he would send harvesters or workers into the fields, um, specifically into the Fraser Valley, um, to make a difference. We pray that God would send equippers um, to the church to lead us and guide us and help all of us be equipped for the work of ministry. And as ministry leaders, when we start to dream and think about um, all that could be in the future that God may have before us, we always have to hold certain things in balance, two things primarily. Um, in one hand, we always hold the opportunities that are before us and we think God is leading us to. And the other hand, we hold the resources that we have available in order to pursue those opportunities. So the, the opportunities there and then the resources available. Um, in 2006, Valley Life, back then it was called Fraser Valley Baptist. Some of y'all have been around long enough to remember that. Um, purchased the adjacent property and house right next door here that we now call the ministry house. When they bought that, uh, the, the land and the, the house, the church was full of vision of all of these possibilities of what that property could do um, to advance the mission of the church, to help with finding uh, harvesters and equippers for the valley and for the church. And it's been a tremendous blessing and resource. Now, there were times, there were days, leaner days, when attendance was a little leaner, finances were a little leaner, that um, whether it was a blessing or um, a liability of having that was maybe debatable. But what we've seen, uh, even over the last decade, um, in what that ministry house has provided is that there have been more than 40 young adults and college students um, who have been impacted through our internship program, who've come to spend a summer or winter with us, who've been challenged and strengthened and who have grown. And then we have sent them out all over the country into their own fields to be harvest workers, in their own new churches to be equippers. Um, it was because of that ministry house that the Wagley family was able to move here almost 10 years ago, um, that, that the house could serve as a place to live as part of their compensation um, and to bring another family to serve as harvesters in the Fraser Valley and equippers here at Valley Life. Uh, that's my family's story this last year, that because of the ministry house that we live in that serves as part of my compensation, we're now able to be here to serve and uh, lead and equip. And so the ministry house and property has been a tremendous resource and blessing. But the reality is that the ministry house, um, while it's allowed us to pursue a lot of great opportunities, um, has a mortgage on it, which prevents us from doing everything that we dream of doing and using the property for. And so that's why our, um, our elders here, our deacons, our staff, our ministry leaders um, are excited about where we believe that the Lord is leading us. That as a church, that we feel like he's challenging us um, to pay that mortgage off this year and for this year to be a year that we as a church become debt-free in 2023. And um, 
And that's a challenge that we uh, begin even today as we start dreaming and talking about it. Um, with the ministry house and property paid off, it opens up an enormous amount of possibilities and opportunities. Um, could be opportunities to provide free housing um, as a part of compensation to other staff uh, who could serve as field workers in the Fraser Valley and equippers here at the church. Um, if we were to continue charging rent to some of the tenants that we currently do, um, it would uh, bring in almost $20,000 of revenue a year that instead of paying for the house could be put um, towards staffing, towards ministry here, towards international missions or towards church planting in Grand County or the high country. I mean, the possibilities are honestly virtually limitless. When Dustin shared those two passages of scripture with us, Matthew chapter nine and Ephesians chapter four, um, it really turned our attention that God helps the hurting and the helpless and that he equips believers to do the work of ministry. Now there are two key verbs um, that we saw in those two passages. I don't know if you noticed it, but Dustin highlighted it several times as he was kind of sharing it with us. In Matthew chapter 9, we learn that God sins. In Ephesians chapter 4, we learn that God gives. So what is it that God gives and sins? Well, it's not a what. It's a who. God sends workers and God gives leaders. And so here's one of the big points of those verses is that God uses people to accomplish his mission in the world and to the church. Does God need us? Nope. Is God incapable without our creativity and skills? No. Is God poor without our resources? No. God doesn't need us to accomplish his purpose, his will, or his mission in this church, in the Fraser Valley, in Grand County, or to the ends of the world. He chooses to do so. He chooses to use people to go about his mission and his will and his purpose. God uses people to reach people. God uses people to reach people. God equips and calls people to fill both the opportunities and the resources of his mission. Not because he needs us or because he can't do it without us, but because he's inviting us to join with him in his grand adventure of transforming this world. From end to end of this world, his glory will be known and experienced. So, how is God calling you? What is the unique role that God is calling you to play in his grand adventure? Is God calling you to be a harvester? Is God calling you to go into a new field, one that has been untouched by the gospel, to do a new work of bringing truth to the wandering, to bring hope to the helpless, healing to the hurting? Is he calling you to be one of those harvesters into the field that's just waiting for workers? Is God calling you to be an equipper, to equip 
others to do the work of ministry among God's people? And is God calling you to give? So here's two practical next steps and actions for all of us. And here's how we're going to start. I want everyone to pull out your phones. I know you got them on you. Pull, pull out your phones. Come on. It's okay. You can check and see what happened in the, in the game. See if uh, the Bengals came back or not. And we'll all think you're spiritual because you're looking at your phone following instructions. Here's what I want you to do. Got your phone out? Okay. I want you to open up your clock app on your phone. Wherever you, whatever, wherever you have alarms. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to create an alarm right now that will go off every day at 9.38. It could be a.m. or p.m., doesn't matter. 9.38, okay? And here's why. We read from Matthew 9 earlier. In Matthew 9.37, Jesus shows us the need that these fields are ready for harvest, that our communities are full of harassed and helpless people who need to be helped. The, the field is ready. And then, it's all right, you're setting your alarm. You gotta choose what ringtone you're gonna use. It happened like seven times this morning. Like all different kinds of chimes and noises all over. It was awesome. So 9.37, he tells us the situation. In Matthew 9.38, he says, now pray to the Lord of the harvest for workers. So here's what we want you to do. I want you to set your alarm to go off every day at 9.38 a.m. or p.m., whatever you want. Now, I recognize, depending on when you set it, some of you are going to be in different situations. So you may need to like turn off the ringer and just be on vibrate or something like that. Do what you got to do. And every day at 9.38, we as a church are going to pray that the Lord would send harvesters. That's what we're going to do. Now, some of you are like, I, that intimidates. I have no idea. That sounds so religious. I don't, I don't know how to do that. Here's the beauty. Let's just, all you got to do is pray what Jesus said and say, Lord, send harvesters. So if you're in a meeting or you're doing something that you can't stop and you can't pray out loud, you can't even like stop and close your eyes and bow your head. Just a quick, Lord, send, send workers. That's it. Now, if you're driving the car, you're on the slopes, you're in your office by yourself, maybe you can stop and pray beyond that. And just think about the needs that our community faces, that people in our valley have. And maybe you pray specifically that God would send workers to help with those things. But every day at 938, we're going to pray together as a church, Lord, send workers. And we're going to do it for the next six weeks from now until our celebration service on March 12th. Okay, if you're new with us, our celebration service, we do it once a year, and we'll eat dinner together on Sunday night, the 12th of March, um, at our normal evening service time. So instead of dessert, we'll actually eat dinner together. And then what we'll do is we're gonna worship together and we're gonna talk about all that God did last year. And we're gonna look forward to all that we're trusting and believing he's going to do this year and really celebrate just how good God is. And so from now until then, that's six weeks, we're going to pray together that the Lord would send workers. And the other thing that we're going to do is that over the next six weeks, I'm going to challenge you to think, to consider, to pray about, 
and to talk with your spouse or family about how God might be calling you to give towards paying off our ministry house. There's two things I want to say. First of all, we've kind of talked big picture. Um, I'm, I'm going to give a little more details because some of you like details and that would be helpful. But let me say this before I give details. If you're a guest with us, if you're a visitor with us, um, we're not we're not asking for your money. Okay. If you've if you've been in church environments before where you felt like that's what they did, that's all they cared about, that we're we're not asking for your for your money. This is for people who would call this home and their family, and this is a challenge for them. And so don't don't feel any pressure um, that this is this is not a a request to you. If you wanted to join in, you could, but this is not a challenge for you. But for those of us who call this family and home, um, the challenge is how would God want you to participate in helping to resource future opportunities by paying off the ministry house so that we can use it to provide more workers and more equippers in this church, in this valley, and in this county. So here's some of the specifics. We owe about 200000 left on the property. Um, here's what we're going to do. As a church, we've been very wise, careful, and conservative financially for many years and have set a lot of money aside um, just for wisdom, to be careful, and also hoping one day an opportunity would come where we had no real vision for that money. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take some of that savings that we have and we're going to release about 100000 to pay half of it off. And what we're doing is we're challenging our church to pay the other half by the end of May. And we're going to kick it off um, in at our celebration service on March 12th. And so what we're challenging our church to do is to think about it, talk about it, pray about it, to consider how God may want you to be a part of that. What would be awesome is that at our celebration service, um, that you can make your gift towards paying that off at the celebration service. You don't have to. It would just kind of be cool because that's kind of our official kickoff. If you think and rather instead of doing a one-time gift, I'd rather do kind of monthly things, then, then um, you could do your first monthly gift at the celebration service. And then, you know, for March, April, and May. Um, you can certainly bring your gift here by that time when you go online to give there'll be an option to just give straight to the ministry house. So whatever's most convenient for you um, as you think about that. And so uh, over the next six weeks, we're going to pray to the Lord for workers. And we're also going to consider how he may be calling us into that world. Is he calling us to be a worker in the field? Is he calling us to be an equipper in the church? And how is he calling us to give? And so what I want to do is I want to close our time tonight in prayer. And we're going to just pray for the things God called us to pray for. We're going to pray for workers. We're going to pray for equippers. And we're going to pray that God provides the resources um, to do what we believe that he's calling us as a church to do. So if you'll just join me in prayer. Lord, I just thank you uh, that you have given this moment to us today to just be reminded that you've invited us to be a part of your grand adventure in transforming individuals and our communities so Lord we just start by asking you to send workers 
people to come and bring hope to the helpless, to bring healing to the hurting and broken. Lord, that you would send workers, maybe from across the street, maybe from some other place in Colorado, or maybe from some other place in the country, but that you would send workers here to come to work among the lost and the broken and the hurting in our town and in our valley and in our county. So Lord, would you send workers? Lord, we also ask that you would send leaders and equippers, that all of us could grow up into the men and women you have called and created us to be so that we can do the work of ministry. We don't wait on professionals to do it for us, that all of us are called to it. And so, Lord, would you send leaders to help train us and equip us? And Lord, would you send the resources? We know that you don't need us or our resources to accomplish your will, but you invite us to be a part of it. And so, Lord, would you provide the resources that we could step into the opportunities that you've placed in front of us to make an impact, not only in this church, not only in this town, but in our valley, in our county, in the mountain regions of Colorado, all the way to the ends of the earth. Lord, thank you that you've you've invited us to join with you. You've given us an opportunity to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And Lord, in all the things that you do, we will give you all the glory. We thank you. Thank you for the opportunities that you put in our lives. We pray all this in your name. Amen.